Check, check, check. One, two, three. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. This is uh, Inside the Mind's Eye. Man, I just got to say, I I just got to say, I've been enjoying doing this so much. Uh, and I feel like I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm back into this, this actionable awareness thing where I'm starting to, to really learn and realize not only so much about Ross, who, are, who is our guest for the show today, which is he gave me a perspective that about this whole coronavirus. Coronavirus! Cue the Cardi B. <laughs> All the coronavirus stuff that I just didn't, I didn't, I was not aware of. That, that Ross's experience, you know, it, it hasn't been so easy. And, um, you know, it's been tough, especially for, I guess, just especially for people, for us, for just for people. The humaning involved in, in, in this quarantine and like and how it's, you know, the inability to go do and, and participate in the things we're used to participating in. Ross provided that perspective in a way that I just hadn't hadn't been aware of. And so, yeah, it's just I, I, I learned about I've just been learning so much and it's been challenging me to not challenging me, but it's been teaching me. I don't, not even teaching me. What is it? <laughs> Well, all this podcasting, all this editing, all this writing, all this stuff to work on—it's—it's it's kind of given me a purpose, kind of. It's given me something to want to wake up for in the morning. It's given me something to do with my hands. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, you know, I, I've been—I've been—it's been a weird journey, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who I am and how to best express myself and you know what it is I love and 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 honestly it's 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 really been about how to get in touch um this is gonna sound weird but like how to get in touch with with the universe at large you know how do I how do I find the peace and the contentment and the happiness that has continued to elude me the more I've chased you know and and since starting this up again, you know, combined with the quarantine, which for me was, and I'm going to be honest about how I've experienced it before we go into Ross's uh, experience, because they're vastly different. But for me, the quarantine has been a godsend. It has been, it, it, it acted as a means of permission for me that it's okay um, to be by yourself, you know, like you don't, and it's okay. And like now you it was like it was like basically took away all the stress and weight off me I always before this thing hit I felt like I had to be somewhere or do things and I and I was going to so many places and, and trying to meet with people and I thought I had to be a certain way and it turns out you know whatever I was seeking externally was causing me to feel anxious I think is what it was and scared a lot of the times. I mean, I'm still scared when I go outside now. Uh, it's different though because it's mostly fear of the beady eyes looking at me. <laughs> but I would probably feel that way anyway. I don't know. I'm just I'm learning to accept who who and how I am and like the things that I lo- like and the and the types of conversations and experiences I'm interested in having. And and this whole process has been a means of of. Uh, of learning how to accept that truth for myself 
while also knowing I don't know fucking shit. Like I don't know much at all and I don't know what's best for me and I don't know where, where, what this is meant to do or where we're meant to go. And the best part about it is it's totally irrelevant. It really doesn't matter. It's like the process, like the process. If I'm enjoying the process, what else is there? Like I I'm, I've since decided I've, I've, I'm throwing the towel in. I'm out of the results business. I'm out of the expectations business. I know they'll happen from time to time, but I'm, 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 I'm aiming for them to be as low as possible. Like if I hear feel an expectation, I'm going to just try to pile, pile drive it into the ground. Like, let's get low. Like, anything, you know, that's my stoic, my stoic sensibility coming out right there is just the meditation on death, meditation on what if I were to lose my voice, what if I were to lose my mobility, you know, things that, that, you know, center me and try to remind me that nothing, nothing we experience is permanent. And even this quarantine, even this, even this, the feelings that we experience going through it, you know, nothing is permanent. The world is in a state of change or a- adjustment or acclimation to a new a new way of living and and I think I think it's an extremely positive thing cuz we're seeing how valuable and how resourceful we are with technology and I just love that I got to have this conversation with Ross like I don't know if it would have happened otherwise I just love the idea that I can like anyone listening to this can hit me up and we can do a show. I love the idea that if I get the if I get the idea of someone I want to talk to, I can shoot them a message and I don't have to go anywhere. I, I used to feel like when I was doing this podcast, I had to put so much so much effort and energy into it because I always I felt like I had to do it right. I felt like I had to always be in person with someone. I felt like there was some sort of message I was trying to communicate. I felt like and this is the other thing too with listening back to this interview with Ross, the ones I was doing before. I was actually doing the podcast because I was hoping people to say what I wanted to believe in. Like I was going and meeting with people, asking the questions to try and hear what I wanted to hear, right? I wanted to hear dreams are possible and anything you imagine can come true and you can do the work and it'll happen. And I wanted to hear that shit. So that's all I would ask for. Like I would ask those types of questions and a lot of times I would be disappointed. But now it's not like that. Now it's like, man, I just don't give a fuck anymore. It's like, man, there's nowhere to go. There's no one to be. There's nothing we have to do. And, you know, so, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's just, it's been a totally different experience. And with Ross specifically, like, man, I just didn't think I would ever get to have a chance to talk to him and ask some tough questions. I felt like they were tough. They may not have been tough. You'll listen to it. I'll drop us in in a second. You'll hear them. But I wanted to ask him about what it was like um, when we first met because, because his presence in my life was, was one of the, he was one of those people that, that was there and, and, and helped guide me out of my fucking hell or shit or whatever. Like he was my sponsor. You know, he was my guy and I was so proud of it. You know, I, I, I just, I, I just loved knowing that he was my guy and we, in the work that we did together, what I learned in the process and, and what it taught me about people, you know, how flawed we are and, and how much we need each other, you know? And, and I think I tell the story in the episode about when I did my fourth or f- when I did my fifth step with him and 
you know, that's one of those things where, where you're literally, your life is everything you've ever experienced, all your fears, insecurities, the stuff you thought you'd never tell anybody, you've written it all out and you're sitting with someone and you're sharing it with them and you're letting them see the deepest parts of yourselves and all the mental baggage and discrepancies that you want to, that you, you just don't want to look at. At least I didn't want to look at them. And, and he received me for that. And it was, it was incredible. Um, because what I expected to happen didn't happen. You know, I thought, uh, doing that exercise with your, with a, with somebody was supposed to do something that, you know, in that day when we did it, it was the total opposite. And I'll forever be grateful for that experience of, of having my expectations and my ideas of how things should go blasted. So yeah, this, that's been my spiel for right now. I just, I felt like now is the time let's get it in, you know, um, Ross, bro, I love you, dude. Anyone out there who's listening, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you have any questions, you know, or you want to chime in or anything, hit hit either of us up. Uh, I know I'd be happy to receive and and other people on the show, Joey, David. But uh, yeah, this is this is uh, this is Ross Turner. He's a uh, he's a radio DJ in Memphis. He's the lead singer, guitar. Uh, guitarist of two bands, uh, Native Blood and Deaf. Impa- I want to say Deaf Impala. I had to write it down because I couldn't remember. <laughs> but it's it's a two piece. It sounds dope. It's just him wailing and thrashing about with a with a drummer. Um, I wrote it down. Here we go. Deaf Revival. Yeah, it's a sick name. Deaf Revival. And he's a stand up comedian. <laughs> so you know, he's out there. He's doing it. But but not right now. Right now he's quarantined. Cor- and so, yeah, we, we dive into everything. So I hope you're doing all right. I hope you're out there safe in the airwaves. And uh, without further ado, this is Inside the Mind's Eye. I mean, The Depression Show with Ross Turner.
Alright. It even says it even says record up in the bubble, up at the top. So no one can record your conversation on Zoom. Like some like kind of sneaky asshole. I love this. I didn't realize this. I haven't been on a Zoom call. When it shows me it shows me that you're recording it. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. No, no sneak attacks here. There is none. You can sneak wine in a coffee mug during meetings. <laughs> Nothing but honesty on the depression show. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, you're actually the third, the third, third person in a row from Paulden County, dude. I don't know what that's about. I'm not from Paulden County. I lived in Paulden County. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna put that good only because I feel like that's an insult for some carpetbagger to be like, "Ah, oh, from Paulding County." I'm like, "No, no, I lived it. I was lucky enough to have a really good high school experience in Paulding County, which someone being from New York originally, and like, because I moved to Paulding County from Florida, and because uh, I lived in Tampa for three years before that, which is basically Tampa's just New York with that's flat and it's got palm trees, but um, and no seasons, but. Yeah. How, old were, how old were you when you when you got to Georgia in Paulding County? 13, 13, 14? 13 or 14? It was the freshman year of high school, however old you are when you go to high school. 14, 15? Dude, let's start there, dude. What was it like, man? What was high school like? High school? Yeah. <sighs> You're friends with two friends of the show, Joey and Dave. Do you remember meeting them or seeing them in high school? I love that you call him Dave. You're the only person I've ever met that calls him Dave. <laughs> <laughs> too fancy. I'd like to just slip I him. call him by his god-given name, David. <laughs> um and high school was high school, man. I mean, that's it's uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a chaotic period uh, emotionally, physically cuz you're growing up, you don't know who you are, what you're doing. Everybody pretends that they know what they're doing and then they graduate and you know, if you're lucky enough to go to college, you get to take a break for another 3-4 years to figure out what you want to do. And then, uh, and you go from there. High school was up and down for me. So I, I don't, you know, I, was, I felt like a stranger in a strange land. Because so I was me, definitely the, the Yankee of the bunch. Oh, yeah. Let me give, let me just give a background on, on what you do now. You're, you do radio in Memphis. What's the station? Yep. 98 won the max. 98 won the max in Memphis. You do stand-up mm -hmm. comedy and you're lead singer guitarist of a band. Yeah, I was in two bands. I was in two active bands before, before this started. Native Blood and, and Death Revival and like Death Revival. So these are the things you're doing today. Were you doing any of these things in high school? Um, no, not really. No. Okay. That's because that's what I wanted to, because I'm doing things I only imagined or dreamt, dreamt of doing. I never yeah. did any of the stuff in high school. Yeah. Was, some people, some people don't have a conscience. And so they just act on, whatever impulse they have and they don't really worry about that like i was i always remember the real creative people in high school they're kind of like a bit of outsiders and we picked on them as much you know because they had it's almost like a our lack of confidence was their strength and they didn't really get to show that until the, you know they were in a band or they were doing this that and the other that and you really don't have that many opportunities to do anything in high school that are grown up anyway I mean, everything's kind of structured between a school band, school activity, this, that, and the other. I don't know anybody that was hitting. I didn't know any Dave Chappelle's that were going downtown to do open mics at 15, right. you know? And the people that were in bands, 
um, you know, they play the talent show and stuff like that. I didn't hear of that many people, but I also didn't, I mean, I was, I was more interested in, you know, partying on the weekends or anything like that. You yeah. know, it wasn't, I didn't have that kind of goal, but I was definitely way too self-conscious to do a lot of that stuff in high school. So you were kind of like just going to school anxiety, kind of just around a bunch of people all the time. Were you, would you, would you classify yourself as being humorous? Like, were you? Yeah. But just, yeah. Even to this now, I mean, humor is, yeah, just that's part of your nature. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's hiding from the seriousness of life. Right. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, otherwise, otherwise you're just worried about everything. Right. You got to find a way to cope. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I have, I've taken the approach of just sharing the sad boy in me as often as I can, you know, and just kind of expressing it. Yeah. Um, and I guess my natural impulse is always towards like philosophical ways of looking at things. And I just don't know how much that serves me anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Philosophy, I always find is like a really good, is like mental masturbation. I mean, all of it's good in practice. I mean, it, it, anybody who had a theory about anything and then they do something, they're like, yeah, it didn't feel like it was going to feel like. I don't know, like, and they have a completely different perspective on things. And like, it's, yeah, philosophy is just like kind of fun to do in, in a room by yourself. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like talk, it's, it, it's good. I mean, mind you, I think it's a great mental workout. I mean, yeah. you should theorize about human behavior and the world and the way it works, but, you know, I mean, you never really know until you're in whatever situation that you're in. You're like, oh, that's not really how it works, you know? So when, when you got out of high school, did you go to college right away? Yeah. Did you have, what was your, what was your goal once you, once you left high school? What did you go to school for? Um, I didn't have a goal when I went to high school. I mean, when I went to college, and that was probably half the problem. Um, the idea was that was just what you did. I went to college up, upstate New York. Um, I moved, I moved out of high school. I knew I wanted to, I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to stay in Georgia. I knew that I just knew where I was going to go and it would have been like. You're, you're around Dave and Joey. Yeah. So you definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I just knew that if I didn't get out, then you don't get out. And there's only a few ways to get out. And I was lucky enough to have. I'm not, I have family that was not, you know, in, in the town that I went to high school with. So I got to leave, you know, so you went up there just for the, the sole purpose of going to school. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you enroll at school? University of Albany, upstate New York. And uh, how, how many, did you graduate from there? Did you? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> so I think now I'm going to just, I want to just express how we met. Before we yeah, continue yeah. on, I want to keep going the narrative, dude. I just want to get your timeline up to now. And I also want to know how, how things are going in Memphis right now concerning yeah. everything that's been going on, especially concerning yeah. your, your career path, which is artistry, you know, as is mine, is doing yeah, artistry. Yeah. All right. So we met. I was, I was getting sober in 2013. I just came off of heroin and I started going to meetings. Yeah, and I wanted to stop using drugs. I tried drinking. I tried smoking. I tried just dope. None of it worked. So I started going to meetings, and eventually I ended up at a place called the Freedom Club, and I asked, and I asked you to sponsor me. 
Mm-hmm. And and you took me through the steps for the for, I've never the first person to ever take me through the steps was you. Yeah. So just to give a little background to people that may be listening or watching, like why how do they know each other? Why are they talking? Where did the beginning start? Fair. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It's so, so funny to say that because like that was what were we going on eight nine years ago? 2013. Yeah. Seven years ago. Yeah. God, that feels like a decade ago. Right? Feels like seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, yeah, that's, that's, that's how we met. I don't even know what, uh, what I, don't, I don't remember that day or anything like that. I just, <laughs> I mean, like, I just, you know what I mean? I just, <laughs> I don't know if I remember any specific point of any of that period of like doing all that other than you being this very, very curious individual I'm always asking curious. questions and nothing has stopped that i i it's funny because you're i i admire you for being so public about how curious you are because you just don't stop figuring out where the hell you're gonna like what's this mean what's this doing with this and then you're like he's what he's like oh he's in his 30s all right cool you know like it's like it's it's not, it's usually a process I, you know, you, you think that someone would have figured out in their 20s, but you're still doing it later on, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, uh, every- it, ta- it's, it takes a lot of balls to post and talk about what you, you post and talk about in public. I just don't, it's, I just don't think anything else really matters. If we're not talking about the issues, what are we talking about? I just, I feel strongly yeah. about that. I also feel strongly about the fact that there's so many people that aren't, that are distracted by things or could, I don't know, actually it doesn't even, other people don't matter. If I'm going to be, for me, it's like, if I'm going to be with myself for the rest of my life, I want to learn how mm-hmm. to master my own mental and emotional discrepancies. That's really all it's about. Yeah. experience just contentment. I just want to feel like I'm, I'm on a path because you know, there's nowhere to go. Like, where are we going? Well, that's the, well, that's the problem I always find. We want to feel like you're on the path when, anybody I've ever talked to who's ever doing anything like remotely interesting to me usually has no unearthly idea of what they're doing at any given point. They're usually just like the feeling doesn't matter as much as the, like, that's why, that's why this has been so, I don't want to say traumatic, but it's (sighs) taxing because it's kind of taken purpose a lot out of people's hands through all this. Because, I mean, you get up to go to work, you go do your thing, that, like, it's, life's a good distraction. And it kind of took the, it took, a, for a lot of people who aren't going to work, and there's a lot of people who are going to work and spinning their wheels every day. A lot of people aren't. And so it's kind of taken that purpose out of people's lives. And they don't get to act on inertia now. So they kind of just, they kind of just stopped. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, like, I was, I mean, the, the week, I think the week I had two or three shows the week before the end at a comedy show. And I think two band shows and I mean, all that just stopped. And I knew it was the, it was it that last show. I knew like nothing was going to be the same for a while because there was nobody there. It was just like nobody there. And it was just felt that weird, that weird uh, kind of smell in the air. And one of the band, the band that we were opening up for, it was two bands, one from Lafayette, Louisiana, and another one from uh, uh, this band, uh, 
Black Magic uh, Flower Power. Uh, they they're from I believe I, I feel I feel so bad. Uh, they're from New Mexico. They live in New Mexico or Arizona. They do that desert living now, but uh, but they were they were cutting it short. The whole tour shut shut short, and they thought it was like eh, this may be just the thing. They were of the hope that this was all fear mongering, and it was kind of like this just things got out of control. And I'm like, and my girlfriend lives in Germany, and so I have the benefit of been talking to her this whole process and watching like how everything has kind of cascaded down from Europe to the United States. So I was like, nah, dude, this is coming. This is gonna be batting down the hatches and get ready. And I think I'm rambling at this point, but uh, it was just, it, it's just a trip. And then all that just stopped. I mean, I haven't practiced with either, either band. Um, I haven't done any stand-up. I'm not doing those online comedy shows. Now I say that as I'm doing an online comedy show on Thursday, which is, an, uh, I'm doing uh, You Look Like. It's a monthly show that runs here. But I'm not, it's, it's, but it's all based off of you look like this, you look like that, you look like this, you look like that. And that's easy because you can, you could just say that telling, doing stand up on, on the internet. I don't know, man. That's with no audience. There's, there's no, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem real. And half of, and, and I'm no expert and I'm not a C, I'm not a seasoned traveling vet. I'm a hobbyist I, at heart. I'm a, uh, compared to, People who actually, you know, live and breathe and eat this 24-7, I'm a hobbyist. And I know that you just can't, you can't supplement that connection with an audience that you can with some, just, otherwise you're just podcasting, you know what I mean? Well, that's, like, well, well, there's two different types of comedians nowadays. There's the ones that do the Instagram, Vine videos or whatever videos, anyone who could do video content and make quick sketches with their faces back and forth, you know, cutting to their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you got real stand-ups. And then yeah. both of them are trying to learn how to do what each other do, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, so you could sense it in the air. You could, the last show that you had, you were like, okay, something's gonna, something's gonna happen. This is probably, did you know it was probably gonna be your last show for a while? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to other people and they're like, yeah, this is kind of BS, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think you get it. Like, I didn't think anybody understood how real this was going to be when it happened. I was, and I was telling people weeks, but I did a video, a dumb video. I've listened to Rogan talking to that the, the disease expert guy. Yeah. Like two months ago, I listened to it and I was just like, it's going down, dude. I just knew. And then a week and a half later, society mm -hmm. was different. Two weeks later, everything had changed. Mm -hmm. Before then, it happened. Even that, even that, that was the week before that last show. I mean, I think that was the week of, because I remember, because our last show was the 12th. The last weekend that you could be out and about and be mobile was the 14th. Yeah. Because what happened, because the 17th was for the uh, St. Patrick's Day and everything That's was right. done. Yeah. But what's done. Your, so how, how have you been holding up then? How's it been for you? This up and down, up and down. And what's I'm working from home. I'm working from home. I do. A, I do. A, I still do my radio show. Um, yeah, I'm. I feel like the work. It's one of, and I don't know how much I can reveal about any of this, but um, working from home, you, you, it's interesting because that you you start you start essentially start working as soon as you wake up, and it doesn't stop. 
it never feels like it ends. So for the station, just for the station. Mm -hmm. And normally you would go in and you'd get in at like two o'clock or you would be earlier at eight o'clock. No, I go in at nine, nine thirty, and then uh, I do my show. I'm on from ten to three live, and then I do production or whatever. Whatnot. I'm usually out there by three thirty four. But now it's like it feels like it's all day. It well, I this is what I can't I can't really talk about the inner workings of everything that's been going on. But let me just I just say that um, essentially. Are they making you work harder because they know they can? I'm not going to see, this is where I'm not, we're not going to go into a lot of this, Okay. but what I'll, what I'll what I will say is every industry in America has been hit by this. Right. And, and this is kind of, and the, and the belt has tightened across the board and everybody's being squeezed right now. Absolutely. So, so, and and I mean, business insider did a story where the average workday now has increased three hours. Oh yeah. Because and and the yeah, the feeling is that because you are not because you're at home, you have no excuse not to answer an email, answer your phone, work on this, work on that. Um, and I've been and 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 and, been, and granted, the I the funny thing is, you want to feel grateful that you have a job, all this, yeah. but doesn't it doesn't stop the mind from eating itself? I mean, I'm in an apartment by myself. And I've been, and I, and I haven't, and I haven't really gone anywhere, with the exception of one or two, I have one or two friends that I hang out with. I want to go for bike rides with, and then uh, there's a couple that I'll go to their house, and it's really the only people I hang out with. And aside from that, it's the same day, it's the same place all day. I'll go for a run, but that's not enough. I mean, I think that's, I think we've, I've certainly learned that how how emotionally dependent I am on other people yeah. absolutely so what is it so you say it's up and down what is it, what are some of the down what are some of the details of what it, what happens when you're in a down spot you just get frustrated i mean i i was saying they're saying the hardest thing about all this is good weather right is when you look outside and you see how beautiful it is outside you're like oh shit i really want to go outside you go and it just the, the weather fools you into thinking that there's nothing wrong. And then you see people wearing masks and then you see, you know, yeah, from and then you're like, and you're like, Oh wow, this really is happening. You know, this, you want it. Cause what was funny was I live where I live, my apartment building, I overlook uh, uh, a fast food restaurant and they're always packed, always packed. And when I saw they weren't packed anymore, I was like, Oh, little man. I was like, and that kind of, because you kind of, I mean, as for me, I'll wake up and wonder, is this over? Is this done? Is this over with? Is this done? And it's not. It's just like another day. And, and, I, and I think I've hit the wall. I, I'm usually good for a, a good, like, either, either tailspin, to, like, because I don't want to call it depression. Um, although me and my friends, we all joke around about it being a, a depression, which it probably is some kind of form of it. But. I'll, 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 I'm good for a tailspin two or three, two or three times a week, at least. Just frustrated, angry, what the hell? Because and this is, and this hasn't happened before. No one is ready for this. 
no one was ready for this. My grandfather is 98 years old, still alive. The guy was at Dunkirk, okay? It's a great he, he has never, he's like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Never seen anything like this. My, grand, my, my father, 78, Vietnam vet, nothing. And they're both frustrated, you know? It's, no one's seen anything like this. No one can aptly prepare for it. No one's figured out how to do this. I mean, if anything, I, you know, the, the Eastern world seems to have acclimated to this because they've been wearing masks for years, you know? They, that, that, this threat has been a threat for, for a long time. So they've kind of been ready for it. I mean, at least it seems that way. But us, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, we're watching the bubbling. I think that we're watching how I feel it's manifesting in other people's actions, how that's why we're seeing people, you know, uh, protesting at, uh, at, at uh, city halls and stuff. I mean, it was all fun. We were all in this together. But now I think the bubbling and people like, is coming up and people are sick and tired of it. And they just kind of would rather not be grounded and take the beating. And, and none, of us, none of us know how long it's going to last. Nobody does. Well, we know how long it's going to last. It's going to last until we have a vaccine. That's how long this is going to last. So we're looking at nine months to a year and a half. So we're looking at. All right. So two to three, two to three times at least a week, you get into a tailspin. Right? Yeah. yeah. Where, are you, where are you at creatively? I'm, I'm seeing you post stuff regularly, Twitter, Facebook, making little, little posts. But are you doing it? Is, are, you, are you able to write anything or work on any music or anything, other creative stuff to help? Comedy writing, I need, I need the, like, okay. Facebook and Twitter is just like masturbation. It's just like kind of just fooling around. I'm doing the radio show every day from home. So I'm always writing for that. I'm looking at news. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to talk about that um, without being too morbid because, I mean, people need help right now. I mean, or at least kind of some, some form of distraction. Um, I let the doctors try to be the serious, you know, kind of serious about this and give you all the numbers and stuff like that. I just, you know, I'd, I'd rather talk about Florida, man, you know, and, <laughs> and whatever, whatever else is going on or, you know, how I miss sports or what if sports were happening. But uh, that, because, because I'm not, because you're not going somewhere new every day, you're not going to work and having, and at least for me, having all the stimulus of going to playing a show, going to stand up, seeing my friends, going to get a beer here, doing whatever, being out and about, that it's kind of, I feed off inertia. I live in constant motion. So when it stopped, a lot of writing stopped. I have not, I have not played nearly the amount of guitar that I've wanted. But again, I feel like I'm working all day. Right. And, it, and for, what, for what I'm doing now feels is, I, ironically enough and weirdly enough, it feels it takes twice the amount of emotional effort to put out half the content that it did before. Right. So let me, let me, I'm going to sum this up and actually, actually change up. So you're, you're essentially an extrovert masquerading as an introvert. No, I'm an introvert masquerading as an extrovert. But now that all the extrovert has been taken, Right. Yeah, I'm forced, forced to be an introvert with no outlook, no, no output. 
Right. No output. Yeah. So it's almost as if you're, you're kidding. You yeah. Cause I mean, without getting too te- like too deep into it, I mean, nine times out of 10, like if I go and do all these things, I'm exhausted afterwards. Right. You know, I mean, it's to going out and doing all these things. It's exhausting. You go home, you relax, you regroup, you go out and you do it again. But you know, yeah. I feel like I have all these things I want to do and I want to share. It's action, 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 action. Like you're always yeah. doing. So I'm, I'm in the gonna, gym. You can't even, gyms are closed. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. I will, I will tell you this. The most interesting thing about this, I quit smoking cigarettes back in January. You started up again? Oh, God, yeah. It was the best. Me too, dude. And I, was, I, was rolling up my, I was rolling cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And uh, no filters, whatever. It was great. I was still running. I was still exercising. I still go to the gym, you know, four times a four times a week um and i quit smoking we started going to shelter in place around i guess more like march so so i didn't for like three weeks of shelter in place didn't really exercise didn't get out didn't run or anything like that started running i could swear that i was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day yeah that's, like, what that's how I feel that's how the sedentary life of just sitting, not doing anything. I mean that. Yeah, it's like a barrier. You just have to burst through it because, like, yeah, you know, it used to be that way when I was playing football back in the day. If I went a weekend and I decided to just smoke cigarettes on a weekend by Monday practice, yeah. I was dying, dying. But after, but on Tuesday, I was okay. And it's like yeah. that's running too. It feels like you just got to work the cobwebs out. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring us back, dude. I want to get more of your story. I want to go back to you're in Albany, New York, right? Albany. Albany. <laughs> I want to I get the, the timeline here. So, because I remember, because you did get sober when you were 21, right? No, uh, 24. You were 24? Yeah, 24, I believe. Yeah. How old are you now? 36. Oh, I'm 32. Yeah. You're getting old as shit. Yeah, we are old bag of shit. I'm impressed you're wearing a shirt right now. That's what I'm just impressed with. I literally, I put it on for the show, dude. <laughs> literally, I was like, I got to pick one out. I, I was yeah. not wearing a shirt. Um, hopefully, one day I'll, I'll transcend into into an, my actualized self and not give a fuck if I have a shirt on or not. Um, yeah, I'm working. I'm work like that's one of the things I'm working on now, dude. Is just not giving a fuck, and also not fucking with anyone, which is pretty easy considering our circumstances. But mental yeah. challenge for me. Like, I'm afraid to let things rip because I'm afraid of what people think. And I'm also afraid of not doing it the right way. I'm also afraid of not doing it in alignment to what I believe I need to do. So all this stuff that I've been working out, this podcast is a result of me saying, I feel like talking to Ross. I want to get him on the show. Doesn't fucking matter. Like, that's, yeah. I'm not second guessing myself anymore. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of this is recalibrated because I get to the point of I don't give a fuck but there's a difference between not giving a fuck and then not being inhibited by other people's expectations and living in the fear of someone else's reaction there's a difference between those two things and not and what was funny was a family member told me she said be careful what you tell everybody people will treat you differently about it and I was like man that's some old world mentality kind of crap because you'll be judged people will judge and then I remember I was like, you know what, For, you know, screw it. I'll be a little sensitive. I'll, I'll interject a, a little bit of creativity into the world and uh, or in like empathy. 
And so I shared on Facebook about how, you know, whenever I get in a, a bad spot, I just tell people, you know, uh, I share when I'm not okay and stuff like that. And then I got more messages of people think, like, are you okay? You're going to be all right? Blah, like, and I was like, I was thinking, I was like, all right, if you didn't get the message if, from me, you're not the person I talk to. <laughs> all right. I was just saying, I reach out to the people I talk to. And it was almost like weird, like, are you suicidal? Right. I've gotten them. So it was like, I was like, you're, you know what? I am not going that seriousness, seri serious anymore. I'm going to save that for, 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 for the, the people. Categories, dude. Save it for the pros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, not everybody. And, and it was funny because a family member told me that like, they will judge you. And like, there's a, there's a difference between sharing tactfully and I guess just being emotional. Cause there's a lot of up and down emotions right now when you're stuck by yourself. Right. You're, like my emotions run awry. I mean, they go anywhere from happy, sad, angry, frustrated, elated. I mean, they're just, there's like no purge. And, uh, and so whenever you get emotional and stuff like that in social media or whatever, at least from, from my experience, I, uh, it, it's, it seems to trouble people more than anything, but also that's not my, that's not my brand. I'm usually a snarky smart ass. So, and that's what I'm trying to, to dissolve is like any idea of a brand or an identity that I've subconsciously, yeah. I mean, there's things, dude, it's gotten deep as fuck now, dude. I'm into all this fucking mysticism, bro. I'm into mysticism. Have you heard of mysticism, dude? I feel like I have, and, but it depends what talking about. So this is how microscopic it's gotten with my behavior and recognizing my emotional state, okay? Yeah. The best week ever. I was unaware that I was, that I had actually identified with the things I was doing. So like I was on two interviews and I had did my, produced a new podcast. I was feeling fucking great, dude. And it was like, Adam's back. I'm back. You know, then I fucking crashed two days into the doldrums after that yeah. weekend was over. Right. And I yeah. came out of the depressive state and I realized, holy shit. That was, that wasn't true. You know, like I am not those things. And anytime I try to claim some sort of ownership over any of that stuff, it brings me down because it's not my, it's not who I truly am. It's part, you know, it's like, it's, you could say there's some soul in some shit that we do, but for some reason, when I let those emotions or let the results or the experience of doing this type of stuff, if I try to, if I hold on to it and I'm not aware of it, it will harm me. So yeah, so it's, so it's like now, it's, it's one thing for me to recognize that negative feelings, negative emotional states, other people's thoughts, what I think of myself, like I can notice all those things are not me, I'm observing them happen, right? They're all flooding through my head and my mind and it's just a passing weather system and I don't need to hold on to, I didn't realize that I needed to apply that to positive things as well. That any sort of emotional state, be it sadness or joy, is a is a passing thing that does not define who I am. No, but it's definitely a part of you. Like I'm an emotional dude. Like I will, I swing up and down. That's pretty much how I've been my entire life. It's amplified right now. Um, but like there, that's called my upbringing. Maybe it's my chemical, my chemical and mental buildup. I mean, that's just what was like the if the good if the that's why I always get frustrated with like the bad is the devil and the good is God. 
I mean, actually, it's all, it's all God if you really look yeah, at it. So it can't be just one thing. So if you're good and bad emotions, I think it's like fo focusing on it and channeling that energy. And, that cha and channeling that energy right now has been very, very difficult because it's just it's such a disruption to the daily, the daily routine. To have a routine right now has been the most stable thing. And even when I'm doing that, it's still sometimes not enough. Hmm. So... Do you, are, where are you at with like higher power meditation, God stuff? Do you, are, do you do any prayers, meditations or anything like that? No. No, no I mean, I don't think about it. <laughs> Not thinking about it has been the most beneficial thing since, since recovery. I don't really worry about all of those things and the worrying about higher power, whatever I was doing. Granted, I'm going to over, overly simplify all of this right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, I just, but I just don't put much thought into it. What I do, what, and just going back to what you're saying about high school, um, I try not to be self-conscious about the things that I want to do in life and what I want out of life. A couple of years ago, I said I wanted to be more deliberate with my actions. I don't want to end up somewhere. I want to go and do something. And, and my friend was like, what are you talking about? You do everything that you want constantly. But like, I'm like, yeah, but I feel like I just end up with, I end up in relationships. I end up you know, in, with people, with friends. I want to actually have some choice in that. And when, I, when someone, you know, so I, that I'm attracted to somebody, whether it be mentally or spiritually or whatever, or I find them creatively like, a, like, a, like an amazing person, I want to kind of be around that person. So I'll choose to be around them. And if they, you know, don't want to be around me or whatever, if for whatever, whatever reason, then that's just how it goes. It takes two to tango, it takes three to tango. But um, yeah, I kind of, that's kind of how I looked at it. And I have less regret, I have less anger, I get a lot less jealous and fearful of other people and what other people have. If I'm too busy doing what I want to do, why do I give a shit about what anybody else is doing? Right. You shouldn't. Yeah. But, I, like, but when I am jealous, when I am angry, when I am, you know, kind of mal, malcontent, it's usually because I'm focused on what – and the, there's – the, the things in recovery, recovery gave me a pretty good roadmap or at least a good vocabulary on how to kind of look at certain, certain things. Like don't judge someone's outsides and compare them to my insides. You know, I, 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 that's definitely, I think that's been the most beneficial thing I've ever learned from recovery is that. You can't judge a book and by because its cover. Of it, what's that? You can't judge a book by its cover, basically? Exactly. I mean, but like, it was, but it, like judging books by his cover kind of like took away the emotional kind of because judging someone's outsides by your insides like that was like the book by a cover is great but like that was the first time where they phrased that was where I they kind of I kind of brought it as an inward struggle for me comparing it to someone's outward outward appearance right um, but since doing stuff like that going back to God stuff like that I don't even I don't trouble myself with it. The only time I ever trouble myself with God or anything like that is when I think I'm on like if I'm unhealthy, 
Like I said, like, like, like the real kind of worries in life, health and death. Like those, those are the two things I, when I think about God, I'm like, mm. like, because, because those are like the, you know, those are the end all the be alls. If you have bad health and you, or you feel like you're going to die, where do you end up? Was this all for not, you know? But that's what's so interesting to me about the, the level, I mean, just the levels of despair that I've reached individually, you know, like fates, yeah. like I, death is a non-issue now, but I know that there's fates worse than death. And I also know that, that, that uh, you know, whatever I may think about someone or something is, is, is a, it's a perspective-based opinion, right? Like you were just saying. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I, I feel like a lot and I'll say this because I know myself, but like I'm operating on ways without being aware that I'm doing things, right? And yeah. I, I want to be, I want to be in alignment with like my highest potential. Like for me, you know, I want to be able to create art, share art, and and live content, right? Yeah. It's very simple. There's no, there's nowhere else to go. I just want to do cool shit, hood rat shit with my friends, and let you know, let's share it, right? I would like a yeah. commune one day. I think it'd be cool to start a commune, dude. Have a little nice little family society living on a farm, growing shit, raising each other's kids. I think that would be yeah. dope. It'd be awesome. But, but that's all. But my lower self is always trying to prevent that. It's saying, you know, nobody likes you, or you're, you know, it's fear will show up, and it'll, you know, I won't be comfortable for a day or two, and I'll go revert. I'll reach out to an ex-girlfriend, or. I'll, I'll do an, for me, it's to the point now where it's like, if I do a piece of art to basically harness the power of an emotional state that I'm in as a form of projection, it brings yeah. me into despair. I can't even use art anymore to absolve myself of my emotional or mental insecurities. Well, that's the thing that literally brings out all those things. Yeah. It's, it's that's, that's what art does. Like, so, I hate I hate talking in art as, as as like an artist because it sounds so pretentious. Um, because I mean everybody is an artist in, in one way, shape, or form. They just don't do music, comedy, or write. You know, they do something else. Because um, a woodworker, when he starts, you know, he starts building a house. If someone says that house looks like shit, he's gonna feel like shit. That's his art. You know, so I don't, like the idea of presenting something that you've created. And, and giving it to the world and if they don't digest it the way you intended or the way you wanted or with any kind of elation then it's it's soul crushing it's problematic and what's what's even but that, that kind of doesn't you can have your slow days I, I mean look i don't know how to say this other than been being like if you want to do it you'll fucking keep doing it has that has that happened to you? You released something and it was like it didn't hit the way you were hoping. Dude, I've released shit that I can't listen to. Mm. I don't like it. I hate it. But I also don't. I now I am very frustrating to a lot of comics here in town because I don't stop writing, and I keep doing new shit. So it's never polished and ready. But I'm a hobbyist. Remember, I'm a hobbyist. I do this to scratch it. Why do you why do you want to use that term? Hobbyist? Because yeah. I know because I know pros. I know professional comics. But and don't they work on their material. I'm just saying for comics. Like anybody who's an artist, 
is working. The, a writer has, has, uh... oh shit. Oh no, he's gone. Oh no, hopefully he'll come back in. Anyway, yeah, I don't, I think uh, hobbyist versus pro. I don't think, I don't think Ross is a hobbyist. I think he should, I don't think that he should refer to himself as a hobbyist because he, he, I don't know. I guess it's, you could, you could refer to yourself as ever you want to, if he wants to. But man, I guess the idea would be I want to be pro. Like, I want to take it seriously, right? Like, I want to, if this is what I'm doing, I'm gonna, like, it sounds like that's what he's doing, though. If he's always writing, he's always going to shows, he's always performing. He's de deliberately choosing to be around people that will facilitate a higher frequency for himself of like, this person's creative, I want their creative energy. I'm deliberately choosing to be around people that are going to bring me bring up the part of me that that is otherworldly, so to say. And uh, just because the creative part is like the flow state that you get in and the types of material you can produce, you know, it's, 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 that's where the, the like the, if the blues has soul, you know, if the, if the, if, if, the, you know, the bit has a, if a bit makes a, makes a laugh, I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, where's he at? I can't, I can talk to myself all day. Done it before and I'll do it again. See? Um, yeah, I just got to make sure I can add him back in if he, once he comes back, but yeah, that's, uh, this is cool so far. I hope I can get him to go back to his, what made him decide to get sober. That's where I really want to bring him back to is like, cause I remember him telling me a story back in the day where he was at a, at a meeting. It was like all these old timers were sitting in it and, you know, you go to these 12 step groups and it's like riddled with people that are just repeating the same shit every day, all day. And he was like totally defeated and he was he told me the story i thought he said he was 21 but i guess he was 24 when it happened but he was just he said like why not i'm gonna you know i guess he'd just come out i want to get him to tell the story hold on let me see where he's at here he might have lost internet service for a second i'm probably just i'm all fired up this is going cool i'm interested to hear what else he has to say i gotta remember where he was at when this stopped, when he bounced out of the Zoom. He was basically talking about, yeah, ho being a hobbyist as a stand-up versus a professional. He knows professionals and he knows how they work and how they act and how they approach their craft. And for some reason, he believes he's not at that level or he doesn't do things the way they do things from as a hobbyist in quotes that he says to a professional touring paid stand-up. So I'm gonna pause this and, and hopefully he'll come back and we'll, we'll get back on track. Yo. Very sorry about that. That's all right, dude. I just went on like a three minute tangent monologue, dude. <laughs> all right, well, I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I saved where we were at, dude. Okay, where were we at? It's how, I, I was saying something about art and pretentiousness. <laughs> potentially probably what yeah, we're, we're saying i said a few a lot of stuff so you were the the why you're why you're a hobbyist not a professional and you're saying you see oh, yeah 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 only that's the personal thing like i've got to open up for real comics and like people i admire and one in particular but um 
like I know what goes into doing that work. When you write a song and you put it on an album, you rehearse it God knows how many times. A writer never publishes the first draft. A good writer never publishes the first draft. You read it right five, six times. A good comic, good stand-up, um, they, they work on material. They find the punchline, they find the sweet spot, this, that, and the other. I really don't do that. You do? Um, I've, I've, skirted back, I've skirted on just being funny enough with, with, you know, with performance of just, ah, and an absurdity of idea sometimes to get through. I have my bits that I, that I depend on if I'm in a jam. I, know I, got like, I got two or three in the pocket that I know I can go to and get me through if, uh, if I'm not confident in the crowd. But, uh, yeah, so that's why I consider myself a hobbyist. I do it, and I want to be good at it, but I just know, I know enough people who put real work into it to, not, to know where they're at. Now, but maybe that's why I, What's that? I don't understand, dude. I, I know you work hard. I know I, I work hard my own way, but I know the difference between a road comic and a working comic. And what I do. So this is just and there's a difference. And there's a difference. This is what I think, dude. And my and my from what I understand of stand-ups, they work on their material and they get it to where they want it to be to be able to do a 30 minute or an hour. 30 minutes or an hour, right? They get themselves a lot of the stand-ups. But you don't even get to 30 minutes. Yeah, you don't even get to 30 minutes after unless you have 10 to 15. Right. You want to get to you want to get the 10 to 15 first and not so many people can't get the 15. Right. I know. But where That's, are you, where yeah. are you at though? Because you can do, you've done, you've opened for, for touring. I, I can do 15. I can do 15 and be okay. And I can do 15 and horribly bomb. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, that, this is why I feel like I'm a hobbyist. I do it because I enjoy doing it. I love the challenge. It's enjoying. It spins my wheels. It's a it's a workout. It's a rush. It's amazing. Um, but uh, but you don't want to really good at it. You have to fully commit. You don't want to commit and say, you know what? This time next year, I'm going to have an hour. You don't want to. You don't want to do. No, that. I I don't. Yeah, have that. It would be I. It, that wouldn't make me any more happier than if I did what I'm doing, and then did everything else that I did. Right, you're a multi-tool, as am I. You want to be every. You want to do whatever you. I want to do everything. I want to do a little bit of everything. That makes me happy. Same here, dude. It's I. I just I like the fact that I'm learning how to do all these different things, and then I never know what I'm going to work on on a like when I wake up. I don't know what the day's going to be usually. Yeah, which also usually means that you won't be great at any of those things either. <laughs> That's what they. But there's also this book I've been reading, dude. That's called Mastery by Robert Greene. It's phenomenal, dude. It talks about how you should. We should, you should experiment and try everything. And then eventually over time, certain pieces are going to connect into a, into a new way or a new thing, potentially. I agree. I agree. I, uh, well, I mean, that's just kind of making you a more interesting, diverse human being. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's just really the, the goal because if you're doing, if you're eating chicken every day, chicken's going to get old, it's going to get boring and you're going to, you're going to wish you were dead and you don't want to eat anymore, you know, like. Yeah, because I mean, think about it. Say the say the, the 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 roof or the floor falls out from underneath us, right? We lose our jobs. We lose. I lose my voice. I can't rap anymore. It's like all of a sudden you have. 
I guess the power, in my mind, the thing that blows my mind is how ingenious a human mind can be in terms of problem solving. That like when we're presented with problems or issues or blockades, I mean, somehow we've always, people are able to find their way through, you know, whatever that, so that this, by the way, this brings me to where I want to bring us back to, dude, is, is Albany. And I want to know, I want to talk about what the first time you went into that meeting where all those old timers were. That's what I was mentioning in the monologue. You told me the story back in the day. You, oh, yeah, oh, that, that wasn't in Albany. That was in, that was in Georgia. So what, so what brought you to the point to where you were, you went to this, this went to the place and, and uh, did the do? Um, okay. So I had done HVAC for years, for a couple of years. I got kicked out of school. I bounced around. Um, I was doing HVAC for my brother-in-law and uh, I, I was, I, I was, I was asked, I was, I was afforded an opportunity to move back down to Georgia because that's what you do. You just run when you keep burning everything down. And uh, I moved back down to Georgia and within like two, three weeks of being down there, I was already getting arrested and, and stuff. And, uh, and uh, I went to a meeting afterwards and uh, after, after I got out of jail and, um, and it just spoke to me. It spoke to me in a way that nothing else had. I had a black eye and like a knot on my head because I think, yeah, it was just insane. Wait, what? <laughs> what? You, so you're in this room full of all these old timers, right? Yeah. You're black eyed. You're, you're beaten down. Oh, I was, I was exactly what they were like. That's like porn for an old timer in AA. Seeing a beat up young person. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Bring them in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I remember a guy gave me a book and he was like come back and they were very nice and I was terrified and uh and then and then I had le I left went home yeah I told my mother about it she's like it won't work for you and that that's what made me go back it was really despite why 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 do you think she said it wouldn't work for you we have our own family issues in our family. Right. Yeah. A long line of, of tomfoolery? Tomfoolery. <laughs> so a lot you, of scallywags in our family. <laughs> so, you decided, so you decided to go back, and it's a great reason just to prove someone wrong. Yep. And, and what happens next? Anger. Anger was, anger was, was, anger's a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's surprising. Just recently, it surprised me how anger has facilitated a lot of the creative stuff I I've done over the last month. But yeah. Um, so what? So what? What? What happened next? You you go back. You got the book. I went to. I got I got the book and I got the book and I went home, started reading it. But I didn't really start reading it until I was in court the next morning. And then I read and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I think I'm an alcoholic. And I started going to meetings and I fully embraced it. Um, I embraced the culture. I loved having somewhere to go every single day. Um, I love the people. The interesting part, the funny thing about AA is, and, and I was 24, but you know, you're so gullible that you think that everybody, because I, I, AA is full of so many emotionally stunted people. Oh, yeah. And, full of humanity. And especially when you first go in there, you don't know your head from your ass. 
And, and I remember thinking everybody had everything together. And then you start meeting people and talking to them and you see them over time. You're like, oh my God, this person is crazier than shit. <laughs> and these are the people you stay away from. And, and then you learn how, who to stay away from and who to like latch onto. Um, yeah, and I was sober for about eight years. It was, uh, I loved, I, you know, it was sad when I, when I decided to leave AA that there was like this, <laughs> there was, when I moved, cause I, I left, I, I left AA soon after moving to Memphis and there was some, some of it was circumstantial. Some of it was just sheer laziness. Um, but like, I, I was at the point where I was just staying sober cause of time. Cause I had time and I remember I had talked to my sponsor in Atlanta and my sponsor in Memphis. I told them both. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And my, and I am so grateful to my sponsors that I had because I'm so defiant. Again, like the, when I got, I, the reason why I went and got sober was at a spike. So they knew whether it was, I just attracted these guys or that's where I, I was attracted to that they said, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> Cause I didn't want to fight, but, uh, but the, it was interesting was the six month period between not being sober anymore. And was like, anytime I got sad, is this because I'm an alcoholic? Am I, if I, am I depressed? Am I, you just have all those things in your head that you heard for years. So everything is because I'm an alcoholic. Is this because I'm an alcoholic? Do I feel this way because there's something wrong with me? And I remember, I remember, and I thought about this like about a month or two ago. I remember going into a meeting and then it was the first time I went to a meeting. I felt like the newcomer because it was like two or three, four, four weeks afterwards. I mean, uh, after leaving and it might have been a month or two or something like that after going back yeah, out. Okay. So after drinking. Yeah. Okay. And I remember, I remember going into a meeting and sitting and then being like, nah. and I ended up get, and I just got up and left and walked out of the meeting in the middle of it. And that's the first time I ever remember doing anything like that. And I haven't been back since and I haven't really thought about it. And I, it, and, but I, at the same time, still talk, I still see people in, I know in recovery here in town, still talk to people I know of recovery in Atlanta. I have nothing against recovery. No. It's just, it's just, it got to a point where I just couldn't relate. And, and I, I was tired of like the, I was tired of stressing about every single little thing that I was doing. Absolutely. And, and that's why I say it, maybe it's laziness, this, that, and the other, but uh, I don't know. It's not like the work. It's not like, uh, I don't know. I found different outlets for a lot of life to get, to get through a lot of my fears and regrets so so take me back to to that point where you're like you're out and you start to get sad or angry and you're and you're thinking you're thinking is this my alcoholism like i don't think that anymore i know but at the beginning i think it's important to point it out in the yeah beginning, in, the, in the beginning yeah in the beginning i mean you, you think, are almost it was almost a decade that i was thinking every for every thought or action i had had an explanation from the big book or from people in the fellowship? From my, from my community. Yeah. AA was my community. And, uh, and so a after that, um, 
everything was that's why they, they said a belly full of beer and a head full of AA will mess you up. It's it's pretty it's it's true. No one really went past that point to explain why that was and I had to experience that for myself. That's why it was an awkward six months to maybe even nine months after I had left AA that I you, you kind of it's like it's I hate saying it. it's like it's like leaving a cult and you're, you're brainwashed. You're, yeah, you're you, have, you have a certain way of thinking. So, yeah. Um, yeah, eventually, yeah, I eventually kind of kind of acclimated. So, so the the six to nine months because I've had that experience: head full of AA, belly full of beer. I've had that, mm-hmm. and then I tailspin into like I just tailspin. Things get terrible, worse, 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 worse. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go back to using, so yeah. that six to nine months you're basically coming to terms with who you are uh, without the culture of 12 steps as an identity or a respite from yourself. No, I I mean, it's without that, but I mean, I'm still doing a radio show. I'm still like the radio guy. And then I started, I joined a band, started a band, started doing stand up. I was, I filled my life with a lot of things that I want to be a part of my identity. Right. These are things I like. These are things I think I want to do. These are things I think will make me happy. Let me do all these things. Right. And, you know, not, I mean, nothing's really truly made me happy. I just do these things because I'm entertained by them. You know, it's, that's kind of, and there's been so many different other things that go into that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, I don't I need a direction, a question to kind of keep going with that that line of thought other than the fact that um well that's what's that that's what i've just learned is is recently i've learned none of the things i've done make me happy none of the rap writing none of the podcasts chasing happiness is a drug so i mean that's i love the bob dylan quote he's like i stopped looking i stopped was it i stopped trying to be happy because it made me miserable fuck yeah and I mean, that's it, it, the, uh, I think we have this weird fascination with feeling good and the idea that you're supposed to feel good, even 50% of the time is sometimes unreasonable. So, but you can be fulfilled and I, I I've, would rather feel fulfilled than some, than happy, even though I want to be happy being fulfilled. I know it's, it's like, it's, I don't, I don't think there's a really good answer to any of it. I, it's, well, no, no, well, it's, you, it's, it's, there's too many factors and variables into all of it. Well, f- fulfillment, you got to the end of the road. When we met, you were at the end of your experience in AA. I 2013? Think, yeah, I was, I was, that was like the final two years, two, three years. Yeah, because we, we went through the steps together. And I remember, I remember, by the way, I do remember meeting you for the first, I remember the second time I asked you to be my sponsor and you said, you said you weren't taking new sponsors, but you'll, you can have, I could have your number, you know, take a new sponsor, have your number. Yeah. And then I just stopped. I just didn't, I just hit you up and kept calling you until you answered basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) cause that was the one thing that I've never had since then was like, a total lack of disregard to what anyone thought about me at all. I was so, I was so dead set on getting sober that didn't matter. Yeah. I would call people all day long and not give a shit. 
Yeah, I've I think, been, you know, what? I've never been able to sell anything like that. <laughs> but mm. go ahead. No, well, I don't think you, you should. You shouldn't have to sell anything like that. I don't think so either. Yeah, I was, granted, AA is a good example because I was all in. I believe in it. I believe it saves people's lives even to this day. I think certainly think it saved my life. Um, so it kind of, it, it filled that void of community and it gave me that safe area where I can unpack some of the baggage that I've boxed in over the years. Just, um, that's probably why I spent three and a half years trying to simplify it and translate it to anybody. You know, I really spent a good stretch of time trying to figure out what the psychological ramifications of doing the fourth and fifth step, the eighth and ninth, how to distill it into something that could be communicated. Just, but anyway, yeah. I wanted to say this because people try to reinvent that thing in the 12 steps so many different ways. You know, and, and they always fall short. It doesn't need to be done because it's true. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic and you're suffering from addiction or, or any sort of obsession or addiction, you go to a 12 steps, it'll help. It always even to, even to this day, I talk to people and I'm like, you need a 12 step program <laughs> so bad. I like, I'm like, you just need to, and more, more than anything, I'm like, you need to talk to somebody who is not afraid to tell you you're fucking crazy and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Or not even you're wrong as much as you need to consider these other things. Yes. That's probably, I think that's a better way to say it. Just you need the, to consider other things. Just the act of getting all of your baggage on a piece of paper and someone receiving it, mm -hmm. divulging it, it's like a confessional, but for everything you've ever experienced in your whole life, it's, it's extremely effective. That's why yeah. Scientology works, dude. That's not why Scientology works. <laughs> Scientology doesn't really work. <laughs> if it works, why is everybody leaving all the time? <laughs> why does everybody think it's absolutely batshit crazy? So, so I, every, every opportunity I have to tell the story, I tell it because I think it's so important, especially for people that are on that path, right? What path? I, I, the, reco the recovery sobriety path. Um, yes. By the way, it it's works for science. Sci it doesn't matter. So I tell people this story because it was the day that I came over to your apartment to do the fifth step, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I get in there, we go through all of it. I share all my fears, insecurities, all that stuff. And I'm going to leave and I'm walking out the door and, uh, and you look at me and you say, thanks for coming over today. Um, before you got here, I felt like drinking, but now I don't. I said that? You said that to me, yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess you were having a rough day that day. And then after we did that stuff, to, we went through the fifth step together, you felt mm -hmm. better. Okay. And I tell people that to tell, to, to, I like to tell that story because it's essentially why the program works so well is that the sponsors around that are going around are getting help from helping people. Oh, yeah. The, the only reason why I, help, I was so gung ho and all about because I was so fucking crazy. Even today, like, it's like I, my being hasn't changed. I you just found places to direct it. Yeah. That's what really what's that's the real main thing that's changed. I don't beat myself up like I used to. And I don't look for like all these hidden meetings and everything that I do. 
because it's pretty damn simple. Like if I'm frustrated or angry or fearful about something, that's pretty obvious. Like I noticed that in like in relationships and just communicating, you know, especially my current girlfriend, she's a lot. I have a three day lag period where I know that something's bothering me to when I finally share about it. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a 72 hour lag period. What do you, you know? mean? Like you don't, you know, something's bothering you, but you don't feel it or you I don't do know how, I don't know how, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what it is. I just know something's off. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's them. I don't know if it's me, or if it's this, I just don't know what it is, but something's fucking with me. And right. then I try not to take it out on anybody else. Sometimes it does. I mean, you know, sometimes it just, it's part of, being in a community someone's gonna catch your shit um but uh yeah eventually eventually i'll talk about it and i'll figure out what it is did, you, did any examples come to mind god um one kind of does but I know, like, it was one, like, I gaslighted, I, you, 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 when you blame someone, you, when you're in a fight, I remember one time in particular, we were having a discussion, I, uh, she had said something to the effect of, she, she responded negatively to something I was saying, I didn't think it was a big deal. Then I gaslighted her into thinking that it was her fault for reacting the way she was reacting to something I was saying. And I realized immediately after she went to sleep that I totally gaslighted her. It was my fault, and this was the problem. I didn't get any sleep that night. I didn't sleep a wink that, that night because I was so worried and angry, and angry and upset with myself about how I reacted to that. I was like, what am I doing? I'm a 35-year-old man. I shouldn't, be able, I shouldn't be responding like that. And so then I talked to her about it. Now, that was like a short lag time. The only thing that sucked about it was I, I lost that much sleep. And I was in Germany at the time. So it was, uh, we don't, there's the kind of, I'm, I'm leaving so much out of this. No, it's that, okay. uh, I, I, that, can, I have an example too. I'm, I'm with somebody at the house. I've got a roommate. Yeah. A lot of times I can't stand him. Mm -hmm. And I blew up at him. I came in my room. I was like, get out, dude. Like I need space right now. It was just like to the yeah. point to where when I went outside, uh, he had retreated to his room. So I'm standing in his house, the, the place totally to myself, and he's sequestered in his room. I felt terrible. I was like, I just, I shouldn't be punking someone in their own house. Yeah. So I spent the next 12, those next 24 hours essentially processing through the emotion. Why was I angry? What was threatened? You know, trying to make sense. Why am I coming at someone like this? Why do I not want to be around him again? You know, like I wanted to figure it out before I showed up, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I showed up and it was, it was I live with a with a cool dude. So like it was he came up and apologized to me. And then I was like, that was surprising because, you know, I, I couldn't figure out it was it was we we worked, we worked through it. But um, yeah, not, and that's like, I don't know, I don't beat myself up for how I'm ashamed that I reacted a certain way. But I don't beat myself up for feeling like that. Right, because if you ask any married couple, do they sometimes they need to be left the fuck alone? They yeah. go their own way, you know, and like that's just they know what the other person needs. Well, I mean, I don't know what another person needs half the time, 
and they yeah. figure out how to communicate and how I communicate and how they communicate. I mean, I'm not an expert. I feel even weird talking about this because I feel like I'm not qualified to talk about this on any given day. Oh, nobody you should. Just kinda, you just kind of figure it out the best I, you can. I keep forgetting that we're recording, but nobody should take any of this, any of this. We're not experts on anything. We know nothing more than not just ourselves. <laughs> yeah, this is, and this even is that, just right now. We, we have officially went into a podcast of ignorance. Oh, it started, I think, because I had no idea what to expect. I, I knew I wanted to just get you on and, and talk about anything that came up. Yeah. I, knew I, wanted, I knew I wanted to get a better perspective on, uh, on what it was like for you with all the art stuff being quarantined because, you know. Long I'm, short of it, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. I'm, the, the thing Not is, having those outlets really kind of changes things. Dude, this this was this is one of the this has been great for me because it showed me it taught me how much I've been trying to fit in with people and places and and things and I just I, I don't want to anymore. So it's like it's really been like a liberating experience for me. Yeah. But yeah, man, dude, uh, how you feeling? Is it, how you feel all right? Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the work I gotta still do. I got uh. I still got to get ready for tomorrow's show. And, uh, yeah. So I like, what, well, get like, you got to prepare what you're going to be talking about and your segments and stuff for them. Yeah. 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 doesn't end. Mm. Your Monday through Friday, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to ask you, I want to ask you some questions to close. Sure. Curious man. Okay. Go for it. So tomorrow morning you're waking up and you get to have the perfect day going anywhere, doing anything you want to do. What does that day consist of? What are you doing? And it's just dream perfect day, it's, you know, your career wise, everything. What would that day look like? I don't know. Can't plan your perfect day, man. Why not? I get because you don't know, you could go, you're like, I want to go see a waterfall. And there could be some asshole blocking your view. And you're like, fuck, why did I come to the waterfall? I could have like gone to my friend's house, you know? So just, how about just things that you're doing? Like things that you're focused on for your career that you're doing. If it was a perfect here's, right, No, here's what, here, here's what I like to do, my, my fantasy that I would play with. When this is all over with, I cannot wait to go meet up with the drummers and Music, like the other guy, I, I want to meet up with both bands and have a practice, have a fucking jam session with fresh strings. I want to do that. I want to go out. I want to meet up with a couple of comics and have some beers at a, at a bar and just shoot the shit. I want to hug. I want to high five. I want to do all that. I want to do that on a, on a porch or on a, on a back lot. Then I want to maybe go to, the, I don't know, maybe go to the gym. I'd say let's go see a waterfall, let's go for a hike or something like that, but I don't know. Maybe we'll save that for another day. But those are the things I want to do. I want to get back to going and doing shows and practicing, and I want to uh, go smell the studio at the radio station um, and all that. You know, I want to hug my girl. She's supposed to, you know, we've, we've, she was supposed to come here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, stay for a week, two weeks. Um, international travels done we pay we bought the three flights um two of them have been canceled and the next one she's supposed to be here for two months 
uh, is in the end of June, and that's canceled. I mean, that's not canceled yet, but it's not looking good. So, I mean, all this while I'm doing, I'm in a long distance relationship where this has all been mapped out and planned, Ooh. and all that's changed too. I mean, we were talking about getting married and uh, and working the immigration papers and stuff like that. So, like, that's another hurdle through all of this. That's kind of added another emotional level, a taxing level to all of this. So, it's been a lot. So, you know. Man, dude. Yeah, it's been difficult. Damn. Yeah, oh man. I was just in a long distance relationship for about two years. It was tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what was the hardest part for you? The hardest part was, uh, the hardest part for me was, um, this is going to sound fucked up. The hardest part for me was, was um, she wanted me to be with her more than I, she wanted me to be around her more than I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, and she said, she said it, she said it spot on perfectly. She, throughout the length of it was like, you, she kept telling you like being in a long distance relationship. You, you like the fact that, you know, we see each other once a month or once every two months for a couple of weeks and she wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, uh, I was at the point of just, I wanted to leave everyone and everything, dude. I was, I was in a basement wanting to, wanting to not live anymore. And the thought popped in my head, like she told me to reach out to her. She was in the Caribbean one day and I, I was looking at a map, gonna, I was gonna move to Germany or some shit. And I just decided to text her. And it was almost as if she like, she, she like gave me a, a piece or, or an escape from myself that I hadn't been able to provide. I bought a ticket that day, flew out to the Caribbean. Three days later, she, she received me. I stayed there for 10, 12 days. And, and we stayed together for, for two years after that. And it was almost, if I, if I'm being honest, it was almost as if she, her presence essentially saved me from like just debilitation. And I know that you can't really ever put that on someone, you know, but like, I, no, but they can, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what, what warmth felt like. I'd forgotten what, what any, I, I just was in pain all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was a force in my life that gave me warmth and, and care and concern. And she cared. She really cared. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'll, love, I'll love her forever, dude. Like, I'll never stop loving her, dude. But it's just weird. Like, when you talk about love, is like, you know, I don't know what love is. What You know, like, what's the difference between, I know, like, what it feels like to be like dramatically and absurdly in love, but that is painful. In my experience, it was painful. Yeah. I know what it's like to love someone unconditionally, but, but then at times be like, but still feel stifled, you know, still feel like I'm, I'm being squeezed, like who I am can't really flourish in this relationship, you know? So I don't well, that's, I'm... yeah, those are the, those are the, like, those are hangups that I hold on myself that all of a sudden that I find need to run around do, like that's my biggest fear in this relationship is that I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I have to do all these things. And I like running around. She knows who she's with. 
you know what I mean? Am I confident enough that I'm me with this person? Like, and that's, am I, le am I worried about leaving them behind? Am I worried about the, all these, like, those are the kind of things that play through my mind. And nine times out of 10, if I give, I, if I give, I gotta give her enough credit to know that she's strong enough, that she's an able-bodied human being to make her own decisions. If she loves my company when we have our company, then we're fine, you know? That's like my hurdle. How much time have you guys been able to spend with each other? Not that much. I mean, we've, we've, we met each, we met each other. I was officiating, we met officiating a wedding back in uh, two years ago. I was officiating a friend's wedding and then, uh, and then we didn't stay in shape and in, in touch or anything like that. And then last May, about a, uh, it'll be a year, it'll be a year ago, two weeks from now that, uh, we uh she came here we connected it was lightning by the end of it by the end of the weekend i was like i'm in love with you and i let's see what, let's see what we do let's see if we can do this you we're planning it out what did that feel like what's that when you fell in love with her awesome stupid it felt dumb really like this is a bad idea <laughs> Well, did you? It's gonna, it's gonna be so much work because she lives in Germany. But like, what was the, what was the ex experience like? Did did you see her and say like, would you look at her? We you saw forever, like while you're looking at her. Wait, say it again. Did you look like fall in love? Like you're looking at her and you're like, I want to hang out with you forever. Like, I don't know. There's a part of me that always feels like I've married the person before I've actually been with them, you know, like, like I've already committed to them like an idiot. Like, I mean, I, I proposed to her this, the first time she came back, she's like, you're a fucking moron. She's like, what would that change? And I was like, nothing. I was just doing it because I thought I'd make you feel better. She's like, no, that would make you feel better. So like, how, how does it feel? It feels like being in love. It feels like being a kid again. It feels awesome. Nothing complicated about it. It's beautiful. It's fucking awesome. And that's where I'm like, live a deliberate life. If this is, I do not open up for many people, especially in relationships. I ha I'm very picky. I know what I like and I know what I want when I see it. And in that moment, I saw that I saw her. I knew I wanted her. And I don't really care what the costs. And that's kind of, that's how I look at it. So. And I'll run, I'll run this right into the ground until it doesn't work. And it's been hard. It's been tough, but it's been worth it, you know? And you let her know? You let her know once that emotion happened? Oh, God, like a moron, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, what is it? Yeah, because I, I mean, what do I give a fuck? You know, what am, I, what am I holding back for? I know what it means to be alone. I know what it means to be lonely. And I've done it on purpose and I've done it, you know, by accident. Um, so when somebody, when you, you, I look, I'm 36. How many opportunities do you get, do you have to get struck by lightning left? Um, How many left? One, two, zero. Not many people get to have that kind of feeling, that opportunity, you know? So when you get that opportunity, you better hold on to it and you better latch onto it and take advantage of it while you can. Because you may not get that many opportunities left. 
So when I have that connection, that amazing, that physical, whatever, whatever it is, I look at her and I'm like, God damn it. That doesn't happen that often. So it happened for me that weekend. And we were at a, she probably kill me for telling all these stories. She probably, she probably I think I've already had. Um, um, but I, I remember, remember she was sitting at a, she was sitting across the table and I was like, I, she's like, what? She goes, you tell her I was thinking, I was like, I think I'm falling in love with you. And she just, she jumped out of the, t the table into my lap. And by the end of the day, by the end of the evening, we were trying to figure out if we want to make this thing work. So, yeah. Man, dude. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rad. It's, 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 it's so far, it's been the story that I hear other people tell at like fucking in books. And now going through all this, this has been tough because it's, we did not expect to have, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, the way we're looking at it now, and I don't even know if I like it being recorded by now, this being recorded, but because it's been so long, it gets a little tougher and tougher. We have good days, we have bad days. And that's why I say it's up and down. I mean, just between doing a show, not having the normal out uh, um, ways to kind of just sweat on stage, you don't have that either extreme down from audience, like if stand up, you don't have like the, 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 the feedback because radio is different like that. You don't have feedback. Like you, I always say stand up ruined radio because I know how funny I'm not. So. I know, like I, I've seen, I've seen how I say stupid shit and no one, no response to it. So, um, but uh, you know, having all those things and then not having things to talk about because you're not out and about and running around, like that, that's hard too, you know. So, and everybody's feeling it. Everybody's feeling it. Um, so. How can we get you to your lady, dude? Is there any visa? Like, are they just not letting us fly out, fly in? Is that what's happening? The travel shut down to Europe. Really? Yeah, only essential travel. Only your essential media. Business. What's that? Your media. And? Uh, does it, isn't media count as essential? No. <laughs> Damn it. How are we going to get her here, dude? I'm like... Yeah, well... Yeah, the, the, either way that, yeah, it's, I mean, they've they shut down travel since, since March, was it March 20th? That's it. So, yeah. so what would it, what would it look like if you guys did get married? Would you, would she come live with you or would you go live over there? Um, well, the, the idea was that she'd move here. And that's what we're setting up for. It's a little bit. It's, she's taught. She's taught at a university in in America, um, so she's well spoken. She she speaks English perfectly, um, so it's easier for her to come here and acclimate. But if we uh, if we decide to have a family, you know, she's she wants to have her kids in Germany because they have better health care and better education. So right, right. Uh, like, like they'll always be provided for. So um, do you? We'll get say, how how is how is it with your? Do you ever get like nervous, like jealousy, or like? By the way, by the way, 
I don't know if I want a lot of this in here. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can cut, we can cut yeah. it out, dude. All right, all right. Now I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you, do you get nervous? Since, I mean, we could probably stop it if you'd like me to stop it now, and we could take it off air. You want to you wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, dude. Oh, I, love, I love watching the wrap-up. This is great. As yeah. Someone who does, as someone who does, you know, podcasts and fucking radio shows and all that, like, like, like telling somebody, because, like, who was I? I think it was Jake the Snake Roberts. I was interviewing Jake the Snake Roberts, and I go, "Hold on, like, you got to be around him." Yeah, I got to. Yeah, I did an interview with him. Um, yeah. Not in. I did. The, that was a phone interview, but I got to see him after afterward at the event when he came to town. Um. But I was just like, "Hey, you want to wrap this up?" And he's like, "Let's wrap it up." I was like, "And it's not. It's they're so used to the the, the media gamut, they don't blink." They don't like it, everything's like you. They know everything's fake, you know. <laughs> right. There's, there's a level of there's a level of showmanship and kind of uh, dishonesty with all the interviews and stuff like that because you're always like, hey, all right, cool. It's good to have you have here, man. Jake Snake Roberts, ladies and gentlemen. Like you have that radio projection, that media projection. They do it in TV. Radio oh. voice has a bad. I don't know why radio voice gets. It's kind of like the bad rap because TV has a voice too. Oh yeah, the weatherman. I mean, weatherman. Name a show where you have somebody. Yeah. In with front of a camera. That's Bob not Bob. how they talk. That's not how they talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all a rap. I think that's why podcasts are so so uh, special because now you get to kind of hear people kind of like uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I love about them, dude. It's just an opportunity to be who you are. Yeah. But are you that? Are you really that? That's what the mission is, is dude. Is I, think, I think you'd be the last person to admit that that's who you are. If, if there's, I like what Juicy J says, dude. Talk about Memphis, dude. <laughs> Juicy J says, Ain't nobody north, 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 north Memphis like me. What does he say? <laughs> he says, I'm not me. I'm who you want me to be. Yeah. That was my favorite answer to Kevin Durant being traded to the, going to Golden State. When Bill Simmons asked him, he's like, what was the chance of you going to Boston? What, were the, like, what was the chances? He's like, whatever chance you think in your head, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I, remember, I remember seeing that. I was like, oh. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. It is. That's beautiful. So anyway, you were wrapping up with Jake the Snake Roberts, and what happened? Oh, nothing. We talked about this, that, and the other. I mean, like, it's more, it wasn't that really special of a conversation, to be completely honest with you. Like, a lot of things you, heard, you already heard, you already knew about, and he's such a solid, he, uh, like, he's like the quintessential, he's like the quintessential kind of old man wrestler looking on the new like the old man in the new world oh yeah when he was telling his stories i mean he's he some of the words that he used to describe some people that you watch the whole room go (laughs) not really aged well you know like like, somebody that's lived on a pirate ship for 30 years and comes back to victorian england (laughs) yeah but at the same time you know 
he's got, you could tell he's got a good heart and he's really wants to do well now. And because when you get an old guy like that, who's, you know, smoke crack and drink left and right, you get, so you get sober, you get sobriety points. You know what I mean? You're like, we know how bad it was so we can, so and we yeah, all, man, and we're happy for you we're happy for so you. Many documentaries and he was so transparent about everything like yeah and yeah. all he wants to do is help like he wants to, you know i don't know who knows what he wants we don't know what he wants to do but oh yeah i don't know i just yeah it's just that was the trip what's going on brother i'm like man fake roberts <laughs> dude, those wrestlers they take a fuck you want to know one of them okay dude one of my biggest regrets and we'll end i guess we can we'll wrap it up we'll, we'll close up i just got to get this out one of my biggest regrets in my entire life bro uh -huh. i met you and um it was amateur wrestling at the civic the civic performing arts center vinoy i met you and dude, that was so awesome bro that was okay so this is that was one of the best fucking experiences i've ever had and i was <laughs> and i tell people this when they ask me if i have any regrets and this is the story when i when i give the answer is she was there and she wanted to go to a meeting and she was like you know it was like i don't know Who? five minutes away her name Who? was natalie. her name was natalie okay she wanted to go to a meeting and she was like let's go and i'd driven and i looked at you I looked at the the midget wrestlers in the ring and I looked at Vinoy and I was like, I can't, I can't leave. And she looks back at me and she goes, well, I could just walk there. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, oh. you made her, you made her walk. No, my biggest regret was taking her, driving her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your regret was being a good man. I like that. I like that. I, to be fair. To be fair, um, the the. <laughs> I never walk. <laughs> I never looked. No, at that's that's. I never really that's amazing. But I don't think you missed much after that, because I think I think Matt Sass, Matt Sass, a uh, buddy Matt Sassman and. Uh, oh, it was Sassman. I thought it was Vanoy. No, no, I don't think it was Vanoy. I think it was Sassman. You're right. You know what the thing? You know what the thing I remember about that night. Was, seeing the guy's, dick. Little his little dick impression through the speedo, through the, the speedo, and, and taking a picture of it because I, I couldn't stop laughing. It looked like a gerbil trying to get out of a condom. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And you know, it, it was one of those one of those things. I was like, I was like, why haven't I gone to wrestling events? like this because i go to wrestling events like I, I mean whenever wwe's in town i try to go to it and i always have a good time i actually speaking of wrestlers the i interviewed uh baron vaughn he's one of the newer ones he's like the new king he wears a crown and all that really solid dude i like that guy he was actually uh uh he he played for the arizona cardinals oh. he's the training camp and stuff like that and he said he said wrestling so much harder than football Oh, yeah. So, so much harder because you don't sleep in the same bed. That was his answer. You don't? Traveling, oh, traveling well. is what makes wrestling the, so hard. Oh, my. The, I think that's the most grueling. We, people just don't – you don't see any wrestler that's done years. They're just not there, dude. They either don't survive or they're not there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard life. That's a hard life. 
and uh, the injury, like, like wrestling might be fake, but the injuries are real. Yeah, you know, I, it's so yeah, I don't the, the sportsmanship. It's not fake. It's like saying Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant was fake. It's like yes, we understand it's a movie and it's fake, but I'm pretty sure it was really cold where they shot those scenes. <laughs> Oh, okay. I see yourself. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm not. I'm I not feel like that guy didn't have a trailer. No, no, he definitely had a trailer. It's not pro wrestling. I actually, they actually filmed that out, I believe, in the, uh, in, uh, in Canada, like out in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He actually really bit into the uh, buffalo's liver. Wow. Yeah, he was actually, and they because they wanted that. Like when he's gagging, it's like, yeah, he's really biting yeah. into that. That's why he wanted that Oscar, and he's willing to do anything he could to get that Oscar. Dude. That's off to him. Yeah, I'm glad he got one finally, dude. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah, that makes up for the, for the Aviator or whatever else amazing movie that he's made. Yeah, Basketball Diaries, dude. I've never <laughs> seen a better portrayal of heroin addiction in any film. Train spotting's there, but his like his despair when he's like, I just want some money. Like I like on a <laughs> level, dude. Yeah, I bet. I yeah. bet. But yeah, this is the wrap up, dude. <laughs> thanks. Awesome. For, thanks for joining the show. I think I probably was maybe eighty percent honest. Eighty. Yeah. I I felt I felt like there were moments where you could have gone to a hundred, but you didn't. So yeah. Yeah. Is that what is that what you meant by eighty? Yeah. I think you were honest the whole time. I just think yeah, I was trying to be. I was trying to be. Yeah, there's levels you Still can freak it. it. Like you when, you, when you asked me about when you asked me about my uh, my ex, the long distance thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only point in the in the podcast where I had to decide if I was gonna go hundred or not. You had to regroup. I did. <laughs> you had to regroup. Don't even know. yeah, and that's one. Of that's the a tough one. I saw you relive that one all all right in front of me. Dude, that's rough. I, those relationships are real, man. I've I've been in a few of those. It's good, but it's good though because it's allowing me to. It allows us to process it. You know, like I had to really look. I had to really think and feel again. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Is I don't know. You know, yeah. Is, I had a choice in that moment. I was like, I'm either going to go a hundred or I can't talk about this at all. You know? Yeah. So I, when you, I think, I think this was great, dude. I think, I think you're honest the whole time. It's just varying levels at which we can go. Yeah. Well, it's just tough talking about artistry and all that. Like it's like it's some kind of real thing, especially when I'm not a pro. But I would venture to say you are. Nah, I never feel it. That's what, like, the idea, like, one thing that I've seen consistent between people, and at least, I don't know. I don't know. I think, to me, going pro means you're doing what you love and what you care about every day, and you're improving your craft. It's your, it's your priority. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, professional, when you're getting paid for it, you can be all, we can all mitigate or logically assess it. But for me, it's like, I take what I do. If I'm going to grab the mic, I'm, I'm grabbing the mic. Like my life depends on it. Yeah. I, I, I will always feel like, an, I will always feel like an imposter though. Yeah. Until I'm not. 
It doesn't look which that is, Which is a shame because I feel like I finally turned a corner the months leading into, the, leading into this because I was just, I was on fire. I felt great. I was doing, I mean, I just fucking had that energy. Stand-up wise, just constantly getting into it, not giving a fuck, yelling, looking at people, on, thinking on the fly, making up bits in my head, tag, adding tags to bits. As it was going, I was like, okay, this is the stride they were talking about. All right, maybe, th maybe this. But, you know, I, don't, I firmly believe that you need to do it for years. Only, and now it's only because I'm saying it because I've been doing it for years. You got to do it for years before you get that kind of comfortability. I mean, you just have to fail, 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 and fail. Like, I would never want to be compared to anything I did my first two, three years. Mm. Ever, ever. And you felt like going, coming into the April or March, you felt like something was happening? Oh, yeah. I was feeling awesome. Yeah. I was doing so many shows. Yeah, it was fun. But, but, but the imposter syndrome, when you say imposter syndrome, up before the, those last couple months, it didn't feel that way? Not as bad, but I always feel like a fraud. In what sense? I don't belong in the room. So I do what I can to make sure that I, I belong in that room. Comedy's a different thing, man. Because you can do comedy, and you, I'm not the funniest one of my friends. In fact, I am like not funny compared to most of my friends or my family members. My fucking family members are fucking hilarious. My, my brother, my sister, my dad is a funny man. My mom is funny, you know? Like, so when I'm around people who are just on commands, on it, it's intimidating. But it also encourages you to do better. Right. I believe that 100%. You might have to splice this into somewhere. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to, I was just going to let yeah. this run, dude. All right, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's a whole, that's a completely different animal. I mean, but I know for a fact that, like I say, like some people will get frustrated with me because I don't work on bits and stuff like that. But for me, I always want to look forward and look at, I'm constantly writing notes because I'm constantly doing things and experiencing things. So, um, because you're getting out and getting out and about and seeing people, seeing things, being exposed to new material. So you want to kind of come out with it. So you get, you, that whole process is what excites you. The, that's, the that's what, that's the, that's the adrenaline rush. That's the, that's the, I, the idea and saying that idea, if you find that other people think that idea too, or even if you're just fucking around, it's so absurd. Like I have a bit about Bill Gates hunting people in Alaska. One of my favorite things, you know, to screw around with. Having, you know, it's all about like, you know, but it's all about tax code. And it ends with Bill Gates hunting you in Alaska to, to you know, to cure your, to pay down your student don't, uh, loan debt. So like when, like an idea like that could come to fruition and I can, and I can make people laugh at that, if only at the absurdity of it. I mean, that's, that's a blast. But the, the process of putting that bit together, is that what your friends, your comedian friends are meaning when they say that you need, they want you to focus more on that versus new yeah, ideas? Well, yeah, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I got, but, yeah. At the same time, like, I don't even think, 
uh, Jerry Seinfeld said, you can't judge yourself as a comic until you've done to do it for seven years. Now he gets to say that because he's been doing it for 35. You know, he, you know, that's the advantage, that's the advantage of, of wisdom. But, um, you know, I, I take that to heart because I think of, I've recorded every set that I've ever done in the last six years. Um, every single one of them I got. And, and I've only listened to a few that I, that I was happy with. So, you know, after you do it, whether you're going to listen to it or not. Yeah. But it, um, it's usually kind of just see if I was serious about getting better, I'd listen to it, find the, find where I fell, find, find where it didn't hit, rearrange it, then try it with those changes. Yes. Yeah, so listen back to it or make a mental note. Some people can remember all that. I can't, I, in the, in the moment I'm usually, you know, I forget things there's like, there's like, there's, there's, there's the, there's the bit you wanted to do, the bit you wish you did and the bit you actually did, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. To get, I can't wait to get back on stage. Man. Cause the, the last day I did a, I did my a band show, stuck around, watched the next two bands, one of which was, so so awesome they're uh slick ride or sick ride from lafayette two-piece one guy's a bass the tone on this guy was absolutely amazing black magic flower power we play with them four or five times they're uh they're from portland they were originally in a band called black pussy and yeah, they couldn't they they got picketed they had shows shut down because people were like it was, it was five white dudes from portland in a band called black pussy it was very problematic <laughs> but, but we had played with them so many times and they'd come to show and we had a band i'm actually wearing one of their shirts uh negro terror i remember those guys um omar died a year ago um but they would play the show because i mean they had such a, a sick sense of humor omar had a sense of humor about things so he would come on the bill and kind of like give them legitimacy and kind of help them out they eventually changed their name because it was uh because they couldn't get booked on festivals and stuff like that. And they are a really fun band. They are great. And they are a great group of guys, too. So uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that they changed their name. But, um, but afterwards, after that set, I left. And I went and did a stand-up set that night because I knew it was going to be the last night. I knew it. I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be done. Open mic. I signed up for the open mic. And I, I, I think we, I, we, I left that bar that bar at like 11.30 and I got on stage at like 11.45. I ran right in there, got on stage. Everybody was doing fucking COVID-19 jokes. Everybody was doing it, but I had to get mine out because I'm special. And, and you know, and uh, I, don't, I don't think I did that well, but I did good enough that I was happy that I did it. Tell me, tell me the feeling now, because I remember asking you that years ago when you first started. Tell me the feeling <laughs> now, the feeling now when you grabbed the microphone that last night before COVID hit. What was the feeling when you went to grab the mic? This is it. <laughs> I had a few beers. No, I had I had a few beers at at the show, at the band show. I have before I go and do a band show, I do a shot of tequila and I have a PBR. And I had a beer afterwards. And I was like, and I usually don't drink. I drink a beer before I get on stage because I don't like being loopy. I like being sharp. Um, band music is different because you just run around, you cut loose, you sweat. It's you don't you don't you don't get as loopy. 
And, and in fact, sometimes it's even better because you're limber. And everything's um, already known. You know the song. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stand up, you got to be kind of. That's why anybody who says they got to get up there, they get drunk first and they bomb. They didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything from that experience. They didn't feel all the terror. They didn't, like, I'm like, just feel it. And if you like the challenge, then you'll keep doing it. Um, I watched somebody go up for three weeks and bomb. I watched them go up, bomb, get down, get off. I went to the open mic again, watched them bomb, eat shit, get off, and then go up, and then eat shit again. And then I was like, all right, I can do it. Mm. If that person can go up and do that, I can do that. Mm. I'm tougher than them. And then mm. I, I proceeded to do a set that was so embarrassing and so terrible that I hope no, I, again, I don't want to be judged by my first three years. But the, no, I remember you telling me about this and you said the, and you knew afterwards you, you couldn't wait to do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of things have changed since then. I don't go, I don't, I try not to do as troublesome. I don't tackle subjects just to think that I can make them funny, which is where a lot of people get, get in trouble with. And that's why you get like a lot of guys like in the vein of like Bill Burr or Louis C.K. or, uh, you know, George Carlin or something like that. I mean, these are all heroes of mine, but, um, you know, like I'll, I'll stay away from certain, certain subjects because I don't think I need to. It may not look good coming out of my face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone gave me good advice. They said, if you're writing the joke just to make fun of that subject, Maybe the, I, the I'm going to butcher it, but he's, he said, let, let the joke come to you. Don't force it, you know? So don't, don't force the material. Before you have a joke, essentially. Say that again? Don't pick, pick a target out before you have a joke, essentially. Yeah. Like, if it ends up that way, sometimes you just hear something. You're like, that's ridiculous. And then you want to write, you know, write about it. But there's been a lot of topics. Me Too, transgender, race relations. Um, there are a couple of things that, you know, I'll touch, but so I don't need to. And I don't even feel my ego doesn't need, like, I don't need to kind of exhibit my ego to be able to just to do it just for the sake of doing it. Well, I think, you know what one, I think some of That's, the ones like Louie and Bill, what Bird do is they, they pick the target and they get so angry at the idea of this transsexual identity that it makes them go inward. Why am I angry? So they go actually. Well, that's. That's how you make it funny. That's right. what Dave Chappelle was doing. And he eventually, I mean, Dave Chappelle, I mean, without getting, I mean, I think he's, he's it right now. Everybody's chasing him. But um, he turned it into an inward kind of form of, like he looked at himself later, later on. Right. It wasn't start out that way. No, no, he was just. And he caught, and he caught a flack for that, which I don't really don't care. I mean, that's, that's the art. That's what you get to do. Not everybody's going to enjoy it. Everybody was laughing. That's the problem where people get in trouble is they forget the whole room was laughing, you know? And they, and they kind of look at it based off of if you read, if you read what they said, use nine times out of ten, it's horrible. <laughs> Dude. Dude. I learned that with my last essay I wrote, dude. It does not read well, but it speaks beautifully. Yeah, inflection, pause, 
physicality. There's a lot of sarcasm built into the physicality of how you present something, you know, and, so that, and you can read that a lot of times. So that last night on the microphone, what did you feel? Oh, I wish I would have done better. But I was like, all right, this is all I'm going to get for a while. I just glad I did it because I knew that was it. Nice. Yeah. Well, man, I don't want to take up more of your time, dude. I know you got stuff to work on. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. Uh, this is the wrap-up, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I love you, bud. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, dude. Way to spin your wheels. Stuck I'm, in the house. Got nothing else to do, dude. This, this is my saying. life now. This is my life now. I'm just going to keep doing shit, I guess. Yeah. I love you too, dude. Like I'm just we'll we'll come we'll we'll bring this back around. I want to go ahead and stop the recording. We'll have some cool music that plays out or something dope. Uh and uh yeah, thanks for joining. If you want to check out Ross's comedy, I'm gonna put everything in you later. You can't. You can't. Because it's not happening right now. <laughs> I was but I had my my podcast. If you want to check out our album. Uh, I'm in a band called Native Blood. We're on Spotify. Yeah. And uh, we got two albums up there. Newest one. I'm, I'm very proud of the new one. Mm. Very proud of the new one. And we're, working on, and we're working on new material right before all this was uh, happening. We had about, about three, three, two songs, three good ideas. And that kind of just stopped. But I got, a, we, I mean, I got an album's worth of material with my other band too, so. We're good. So we get, what's the other band's name again? Deaf Revival. Are they out? Is the music out yet? No, 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 no. We, uh, it's two piece. I do a splits, I do a split system and, uh, where I have an octave pedal on one amp to, to kind of act as the bass. And then I have another amp as the guitar. And then I sing, I basically just yell. I don't have half the lyrics written yet but it's just a riff machine we just we just play riffs we play them fast and that's awesome man that's dope dude yeah i'm pumped i'm pumped for that so all right so what would you uh if you were to recommend someone to listen to a native blood what what would you say best expresses you expresses me yeah i don't know such a What's the what's the one that comes to mind where you love when you think about you guys are gonna get to do a show tomorrow and you're like I can't. Oh to okay. Opening track, Pascal's hoax, man. Pascal's hoax, dude. Yeah, and if but that we've all talked about it. Our drummer does most of the singing on the new album because he's he's got a phenomenal voice, and his uh, the song Pace is probably the single out of the bunch. Pace. That's definitely the single out of the bunch. Who am I talking about? That's definitely the single. If we if if we're in a world if, that our music got to be got to have a single, that would be it. Is there anything you want to share before we close out? Keep your head up. This shit is fucking brutal. Don't let anybody fool you. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, this has been great, dude. I love you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'm going to 
Your love is for